Hey landlords, are you ready to level up your rental game and simplify your life? Well, get ready to meet your new best friend, KeyCheck. KeyCheck is your all-in-one solution for stress-free property management with tenant-paid screenings, rent payment processing, online lease creation with eSign, and a suite of incredible landlord tools. You'll wonder how you ever lived without it. No more chasing down checks or sifting through piles of applications. KeyCheck helps you organize and manage all things landlording in a simple and efficient way. So if you're tired of the rental chaos and crave seamless, efficient management, head over to KeyCheck.com and sign up today. Make landlord life a breeze with KeyCheck, the game changer for modern property owners. Welcome to Landlord Diaries, where we talk about midterm rentals and the opportunities behind them. We'll share landlord stories, talk about maximizing investment potential, and discuss how to live the very best landlord life. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Furnished Finder, the place for everything midterm rentals. Remember to like and subscribe if you enjoy our content. We are back. Another great episode of The Landlord Diaries. This is Kelly Bailey, your host in the Austin, Texas area. And I'm excited to embrace more of the corporate housing side of the industry today. And hello everyone, my name is Katie Lyon and I'm here with Kelly today. Um, we get to talk to a little bit of a power couple today that have really made some waves in the corporate housing um, and insurance claim uh, market. And these two are so sharp. They've come up with a lot of strategies and they have taken a section of the market that has very little demand, but also very little supply. Um, and figured out how to really make it work for themselves. So I'm excited for everyone to listen in and see what you can take from their expertise. Um, just as a reminder, this episode and every episode is brought to you by Furnished Finder. We are the one-stop shop from everything midterm rentals. Um, we also have a sister company key check that you can use for leases, um, tenant screenings, online payments. So we really try to get you taken care of from start to finish. Uh, and to list your property on the site is only $99 a year. It's a steal. It's a steal. So we hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please don't forget to give us some comments, some feedback, some reviews, and you know, let us know how we're doing. Thanks everyone. Today we talk with the founders of istayatlanta.com. Ibrahim Nuhu and Nahid Ibrahim. I Stay Atlanta specializes in corporate housing, is the largest owner of independent furnished housing in the area, and a leader in providing midterm luxury furnished temporary housing. Their portfolio includes mostly three or four bedroom homes at higher prices in five different areas of Atlanta all with at least a 30-day minimum stay, some 90 days. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. How are you both? Good. Doing good. Thank you for having us. Yes, sir. It's our pleasure. So let's jump into the first question. We had the privilege of meeting this lovely couple at the CHIPA conference, the CHPA conference. And we're looking forward to talking to them further on the Landlord Diaries. So guys, what were your big takeaways from the CHIPA conference? Uh, Chippa Conference each year is widening our, uh, you know, the way we want to do the business. Our networking is a big thing. We get to understand the products that we can use in our business, expand our business. 
So it's all about networking, getting to know a person like Kelly, who has introduced us to Furnish Finder. So that's we we have been adding the third party lead generation products and as well as the technology tools to you know make our business go to the next level. So see, Chipper is always good in bringing all of us together at a time. So the biggest takeaway is networking. Networking mm-hmm. that's so valuable in hospitality and and housing for sure. And we had the privilege of meeting so many lovely Furnish Finder hosts at the conference. Uh, so you two being one of those because you already had a couple houses on the on the website, and I think you've had a few more since then. So we'll keep we'll keep talking further as we go on. Uh, but in general, we like to kind of understand who you are and why you're even doing this in the first place. So why did you two decide to get into corporate housing in general? Okay, basically, I was a IT consultant, software company, or computer consultant. Uh, it's about 2016, I became a full-time realtor. But that real estate licensing gave me the idea to think what to do next because I was I did not want to be one among those agents doing those buying and selling. Mm-hmm. We're looking to see what we can do. And I started specialized in uh, dealing with investment properties, having a lot of my clients buy and lease out properties. A lot of properties we were doing around student housing, a university, you know, around Kenesaw here. Mm-hmm. At a point I felt, okay, we need to do something more than that than just collecting the rent and maintaining others' property. The gap was like there's not, not many people uh, who are doing you know, house independent houses for a short-term rental. Each time I give a house for leasing, I get a call from somebody on the midterm lease, like, you know, from an uh, insurance agent or insurance, you know, housing provider asking me, why not you provide our house, this house with furnished, furnished way, with the furnitures, we give you a higher percentage of return. Nice. That kind of clicked on my mind. What if I had five of these properties? I don't have to do the passive income is good enough that I can be really happy doing something. The investor gets his money. I make something over it, even without owning a property. Mm-hmm. That's what's the trigger point for me. And I came to came home. That point of time, my wife is running a robotics training company. Mm. And uh, we just wanted to, we were going through. I used of- to do a STEM education for elementary schools here in Atlanta, Georgia. And... I liked what I was doing, but still we were not making, I was not making that kind of a money and technology was still not my cup of tea. I'd like to do something more creative. So when he told me we will start doing um, Airbnb in one of the properties that he had. And then I was like, yeah, why not? Let's try one house. And that's how we started with the first property with an Airbnb, which was like a six bedroom property. Nice. I was attending, like we were mentioning about the network, you know, I kept attending. There is something called Amstra here, Atlanta hmm. Metro Short Term Rental Association. I've been attending networking and I see young people making a lot of money, not even owning one property, but it is others' property and all of them make money. I was, each time I attend the network, I met, meet new people, get new idea. Then something, you know, came on to me and said, okay, we can be far better than them because 
I have control over the properties and uh, the investors. Mm-hmm. That's where we started this business. So tell us a little bit more about your portfolio. How many properties do you have now and how you scaled to that level? Because I know that's a challenge for a lot of property owners. Okay. Okay. Our portfolio includes two types of properties. One is we master lease. The other one is we are doing like a third party. Some people maintain the, my clients maintain the property. We only run through like a rental, you know, margin on that property, like, you know, maintenance. So we have currently about 18 properties, which is our portfolio, which we own and master lease on them. Okay. The rest of the, there's about another 12 of them where we only do rental on a need based. So where we share some commission on part of it. But on a need based, we take it from them. Totally, it's running around 30 properties is the number we have right now. And uh, except for two properties, two condos, the rest is all single family homes in the north of Atlanta. So let me ask you a question, because we're seeing a theme here throughout a couple of our episodes is that one as a as a real there's there's thousands of real estate agents out there, right? Probably I don't even know what the number is in the nation. Uh, do you happen to know the statistics there? How many real estate agents there are in the nation? I okay, trans- <laughs> millions. I'll tell you, Atlanta, right in my name area, it's a more over thirty six hundred okay. for Keller Williams that I'm with. Okay, for your area, awesome. So in general, there's agents everywhere, but we're seeing that it's rare to have both a real estate agent and the same person to manage your properties as well, that not only has their own investment properties, but has figured out, hey, we enjoy doing this. We're currently doing it with our own properties and want to do it with other people's properties as well. So is that something that you offer? Do your real estate clients also uh, roll under you and on the management side sometimes as well? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Furnished Finder, the ultimate platform for hassle-free midterm rentals. Whether you're a seasoned landlord or just getting started, Furnished Finder is the place for you. With Furnished Finder, you can say goodbye to booking fees and hello to direct bookings for 30 day plus days. It's a win-win for everyone involved. So if you're ready to experience the joys of midterm renting and take a load off your landlord shoulders, head over to FurnishedFinder.com today. We make it easy to get started. We're grateful to Furnished Finder for sponsoring this episode and we're sure you'll love what they have in store for you. We do not offer management, but yes, we offer the, our, my real estate agents are one of the primary sources for getting, uh, clients for me. So what okay. I, yeah, we keep marketing to them because they have needs. Sometimes clients come to town and they don't have relocation clients, relocation mm-hmm. clients. They do okay. not have a house for a period of time or they have sold the house. The last year, last year's real estate market was crazy. People sold the house. They did not have the next house for the next three to four months. So we house a yep. lot of people like that. So nice. that's a point to be kind of market to the real estate agents. So okay. that's the take. Cool. Anytime that you can kind of combine those services and really be like a full service provider, it's A, you're expanding your business, but B, you're also like really 
increasing your value. Right. And that's where I think the true magic of like business happens and you get to grow is when, yes, you found a way to make money, you found a way to profit and grow your business, but you're also found a way to serve people in an increasing amount of ways. So I think that's, I think that's really smart and wise. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your plans, um, for kind of the next stage of your business. I know right now you're all based in Atlanta, correct? Do you have any plans to expand locations or are you going as they say, you know, deep in that location? For now, I think for the next maybe less than a year, we will be going deep in our location because we are, it's a, each day we are learning a lot of things from this industry. We have not done an, a single apartment, but 95% of the people are doing this business with apartments going through okay. a third party. So we are learning it and we are getting help from our colleagues in CHPA. They're helping us understand how to do it. And we are going that route. Once we have good knowledge, first thing is to understand knowledge and network is something that we are trying to build up being in the same location. But we have a lot of other plans. You know, the next target is to go into Austin or Nashville again. So those are the two Come cities. On. <laughs> those are the two cities we are looking because we have uh, another investors, partners who own multifamily in Nash in uh, Austin. Austin, Texas. Cedar Park, right in the suburb of Cedar Park. Cedar, yes, Park. Cedar Park. Awesome. And they have few multifamily properties they do not know what this corporate housing business is. So we want to do it for them. We can partner in their property, our experience, and we want to partner in together. For now, because if I start traveling a lot, my real estate business also will get hit. So I'm trying to avoid not moving out of Atlanta. So this year we are trying to move more into apartments and see how it's going to work. Hmm. Okay. I think that's great. That's smart. You figured out one one sector, see the demand for another, and are kind of strategically expanding, but being smart about it. So you're not just jumping in, right? Taking your time to to figure it all out. Yep, that's right. Before we jump away from the larger homes, though, uh, why did y'all choose those three to four bedroom homes in the first place? And those specific five areas that you're in in Atlanta and, and how is it going? Is is your tenant pool limited or do you feel like the larger homes give you this niche market that that sets you apart from others in, in the industry? Okay, larger homes are highly profitable because there is not many competition, but very high risk. If they are vacant, it it is like a huge uh, expense for us. Yeah, right. we have to manage all the rent <clears throat> and the utilities because we cannot stop it. We have to keep paying it. And sometimes the winter is bad, like from October to January. It's a little tough period for us. Okay. But uh, smaller ones, you know, typically three bedroom is ideal, which we have noticed because yeah. people asking two bedroom, we can give them like, you know, a go ahead bedroom. at the same rent, we mm -hmm. can give a three bedroom house. Somebody coming in for a four bedroom, we try and convince them for a three bedroom to go because most of the cases, the people who are coming through the insurance are just two, three people in the family, not many, but they ask for a four bedroom for just because they have to request a four bedroom. So once we talk to them, three bedroom ideally fits between two to four, 
But if somebody is really looking for a six bedroom is when we are caught. That's when I told you we try to reach out to somebody in the neighborhood who's trying to rent. You know, we rented and sub rented immediately for a period, six months or a nine months period. So that's how we been six fit. bedroom. The demand is really low. Definitely. Three bedroom is the ideal, I would say. Nice. And this is for kind of the corporate housing insurance claim type of tenable, just so that everyone is clear, because there is a really, you know, as, as we keep expanding this midterm rental demand and kind of awareness, there's demand for everything from a tiny little studio apartment, like you said, up to a six bedroom place. It just kind of depends on what niche or what avatar that you are focused on and then your marketing strategy, your business development strategy is all going to follow suit with that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important to note here is if you're going after travel nurses or medical professionals, you might have a harder time if you have a three bedroom place, but if you're going after, yeah, like relocation clients, corporate housing, people who are high up executives, who their companies given them a few months to find a house, like that's the perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah, so our target is very clear about focusing on the insurance and uh, relocation. Sometimes, you know, some sports sports and entertainment, you know, we... We, we have high-end properties in, in an area called Buckhead where we house all kinds of sports personalities. And entertainment people. So that's something that's that, yeah, they, they, that's the reason we are trying to stay within. We have spoken to some companies, you know, insurance and other providing agencies. They like us, they say, stay in this market because there's not many people providing a single family homes. Mm -hmm. Apartments, the high risk, there's a little bit of a thing with apartments is we need to be going, like you said, you know, with the nurses or right now interns. Right now at the moment. Season for interns. Yeah, season for interns. Suddenly we get a call for 20 of them or eight of them, you know, asking for one bedroom and... uh, we are learning, you know, each year, as I told you from la- last year was the first chipper we went in. 2023 was the second one we, we were there. We have grown within this one year a lot, knowing from people, it's a knowledge, you know, maybe property wise, we have grown only about a 10 more, but we have understood. We just want to understand the details about it before we grow bigger. That's amazing. Now, I know Kelly has some more questions queued up that, um, talk about listing logistics and stuff like that. And, and they're, um, I'm excited to hear kind of what you guys have to say about that. But I do have a question before we get to that. Um, you know, you guys have talked a lot about networking and how when you're going after these different types of audiences that the approach is a little bit different, right? So for instance, when you're doing travel nurses, a lot of a lot of landlords or property owners simply list their property and then you can wait for replies, which is especially with a site like Furnish Finder, you're gonna get inquiries, you're gonna get leads, like we will fill that funnel for you. But um, there's two ways to go at it, right? Offense and defense. And I think once you get into the insurance and the corporate housing world, it's a lot more offense where you're going and seeking the relationships. Um, and that can feel daunting to a lot of people. So even though you're, you're still going to have that balance, right? You're still going to put your property on websites. You're still probably going to have a listing on Furnish Finder or Airbnb or Zillow or whatever it may be. Um, what are maybe your top two or three tips as far as 
that big elephant that feels like network networking. Like, where do you start? Where do you, you know, what are kind of the first few things that you would tell a newbie who's looking to get into that game of networking? Cause that can feel really, really daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually figured it out this year. You know, we, when we are doing networking, we need to be clear who we are going behind to talk to the mm-hmm. last year when we came in for Chippa, we were trying to become friend or you know talk to everybody and anybody whom we meet, but the time is limited. They don't want to talk to us, you know. Then mm-hmm. over a year, we know who needs the kind of house we have got insurance agents, and we are not going to the suppliers. We are going to the lead source, okay, a company which needs me, okay. Mm-hmm. They they need some supplier in Atlanta or any other place. I have the capacity to expand to another city in the same model. But I want to find who needs me, not the guy who's competing with me. I don't want to talk. I'm okay to be friendly and we can chat. But spending more time with another I stay Atlanta like another company doesn't add much value until, you know, we find we can share the properties. Mm-hmm. So that is something we figured. The first tip I would say is you need to be clear on who you want to talk to when you go to the networking. I cannot spend time and uh, my effort on companies which do not need me. They, a lot of companies don't need me and there's no point in me talking to them. And uh, we need to talk to the people like us, you know, especially the small business group, because we can understand what technology they are using or what are the softwares they're using to make their life easy to run the business. Mm-hmm. So two things were important. I would say attend the small business meets. We did one at Indianapolis. It helped us a lot. We could make more relationship with the people who are on our level or who are like five years you know, senior to us and who can guide us through what to do. When you go to Chipper, go to the people who can give you lead. You know, That's what we do. You're making a really good point. So after the, the Chippa conference, and I haven't attended one yet because I'm, I'm just now becoming aware of it. There is a guy who offers online networking through LinkedIn. And I asked him, I was like, you know, how many people typically show up to your monthly gatherings? Because it's it's just like a virtual meet in person where you can leave a chat room. Like I think the chat rooms can be four or five people at most. And then you can leave one chat room and join another chat room. So you're meeting multiple people. And I think he said it's around uh, 60 people sometimes that, that join the monthly gathering. So I'll see if I can put that in the notes for everybody. Cause that might be worth trying. Uh, Cause it, it's a, it's a cost efficient way of networking without yeah. having to, you know, go get a hotel room, travel somewhere, meet up with people. Yes. So that's really good. That's really good advice, guys. Uh, I like that. Uh, Katie, anything we to add? To we tried that in the beginning, but we found most of the networking people were either in the South America or Europe based. Interesting. So it doesn't add much value to us. And the uh, thing is, Quickly, within three, four minutes, people keep moving between rooms. You don't find the relationship or a bond created. Mm. That's the negative side. The main thing is, I think, when you meet people, there's that relationship. You can put a face to the the name and then you'll always remember them. Yeah, we met you on a booth and see, we remember you. Yeah, so we could relate. We could relate to you. So when you do that online, I don't know how the... The bonding will, bonding will happen. Yeah. 
Good point. Good I mean, point. It might be a good way to get the ball rolling, but then mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the, you have to take the follow up and you've got to take that and say, okay, this was a good, I think this might be a good person for me to have a relationship and you have to take the initiative to really take it across the finish line. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Like that's, I think that's, I think that's great advice um, for anyone is just, you know, put yourself out there, but pay attention to who you're putting yourself out there to. Yeah. Yep. Uh, episode 15 was Ziana. She, she just uh, announced and by, by the time this episode's released, I'm sure it'll be a couple months, but she was part of a, of a podcast called the Investify podcast. And she just announced that she is moving on to, to other things. And that was her last episode, uh, that I, that I was catching this week. And she's one of the focuses of the episode. It was, uh, it's with the, uh, money who's that what's the money guy what's his name uh mr money mustache it was with it was with <laughs> mr money mustache and how to keep joy through you know uh, building passive income and all of the things that come with that uh financial independence retire retire early and one of the focuses was you can't say yes all the time you know, if you're saying yes to everyone, you're going to be spread too thin and not be valuable mm-hmm. or or your quality goes down. So it was, it was really uh, it was a really good co- uh, episode to listen to. But yeah. um, I think before we move on to landlord logistics, uh, the last part I want to make sure and cover in this section is why did y'all choose those five areas that you're in in Atlanta, specifically those areas? And I think y'all are also, when you're gaining new properties, you're, you're trying to, you know, focus on where insurance clients are. So how how is that process working and, and how are your five areas doing? It's doing excellent. And we have been actually making a better move within that locations where exactly to have the houses. Uh, the reason we chose these areas, if you know the geography of Atlanta, this is one of these are much safer zone. People would like to live here under a higher income area hmm. and the revenue is more, rent is more and profit is more. Okay. And uh, easier for us, it's an easy commute because if I'm not here, uh, Nahid or you know, any of our cleaners can move around easy, don't have to spend a lot of time on the road. We will be able to reach any place within 40 minutes of drive. So we chose the areas because as i mentioned i've been a realtor for some time mm-hmm. understand where good schoolings are so yeah where good schooling zones people come from high very expensive houses the insurance companies have high budget to spend we give, give them good houses high risk yes because if you do if the house is vacant for a month we pay a heavy rent to the mm-hmm. landlord but uh, we take that risk because unless you move and take yourself uh, a risk, we're not going to get it. So that's the reason we chose all these five zones because they are being a little nicer part of the city Atlanta. Okay. Awesome. Have you found that that scales your profitability as well? What What is a, a standard, like if we're going to look at overall your portfolio uh, and, and analyze what's coming in a month versus if it stays vacant, is that cash flow a lot higher because you're it's more sought after larger luxurious properties or what does that look like uh, profitability wise? Profitability wise, yeah, luxury properties bring high profit, but uh, high risk. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. There are properties in Buckhead where we pay heavy rent, you know, but if it is vacant for a month, mm-hmm. it really hits us bad. But if it's it's occupied, occupied, it's good. We make good money out of it. It covers three. I think that's like the like supply and demand, and yeah. then you add a risk factor, right? Like, I feel like somehow those charts would all intersect if I was an economist. Because yeah, we've been we've been talking to a lot of people who have these larger rentals, and it is there is demand. It's smaller, but the supply is also smaller. Very, but then you th- very small. Very, very small. True. Right, supply is very small. Demand is yeah, but then you think, okay, if I go a month without rent, I got to cover a mortgage or I've got to cover a hefty rent. So it's almost just like. Everything has to be bigger, right? Mm-hmm. The smaller the demand, the smaller the supply, the bigger your padding has to be, the bigger your cushion, but the yes. bigger your profits are. So you just have to prepare yourself for it, I think, um, which I don't know about you, Kelly, but I think everyone that we've talked to that's um, a professional with these larger homes mm-hmm. is, you know, you guys are definitely sharp enough and, and prepared enough that you've got that in the bank, right? Like it's, it would be a little bit of a gut punch, but like you're still afloat, you're still fine. But yep. yeah, it's um, again, it's, it's a the really time of the year. If the bigger properties, if we cross February, March, we are a little more confident. Sometimes, you know, a person comes for two months rent on the same property, they offer four months revenue for us, right? Mm-hmm. Just because they they are coming a short term visit from some other foreign country. So we have some VIPs who come from other countries. And they want to stay mm. in, the, in the centrally located place and in a nicer house. They don't mind paying mm. Airbnb price. Yeah, they pay mm. price. So for... in that way, we are okay. So it's okay to go through the loss in the in winter times and then make up for it in the peak times. Yeah, right. for sure. And we hear, yeah. you know, r- relative because pricing, of course, changes around the country. So while uh, what what's what's an average price for for your homes? Uh, what's the range? Uh, it's 5k, 4,500 to 5,500 is the average price yeah. we have. Price. Okay. And that's three to four bedrooms. Okay. And yeah. then I have my, uh, th- I have two, three bedroom, two baths that, uh, around the same. I try to, I try to keep them around 4,000 for now and adjust it throughout the year as needed. Sometimes I'll take it down to 3,500. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you think of California insurance claims, and they're up to seven thousand to twelve thousand per month uh, mm-hmm. sometimes. So it it ranges depending where you are around the around the country, which is which is interesting. Um, I think I'm going to add in a little fun fact here. So I've I've only ever been to Atlanta once. It was a it was a great trip to Atlanta. When I was working for the land division of CoStar, we would attend auction conferences uh, around the country. So one of them was near Atlanta in one of the sur- su- suburbs. I can't remember the name of the suburb right now. I think it's actually maybe like a two hour drive. And I absolutely loved my highlight of Atlanta for that short time I was there was going to World of Coke, Coca-Cola. Oh. <laughs> that was so cool to, to be able, one, everyone wants to see the polar bear, right? Who doesn't? It's like the Coca-Cola staples, the polar bear. But you, there's this room where you go into uh, a huge open room with like five stations of 
fountain drinks and they get, allow you to sample all the different sodas from around the world. Sodas yeah. in Thailand or Vietnam or in Africa. It's really cool if you've never been to Atlanta and tried World of Coke. So I just want to add that tidbit in there for everyone. Have y'all no, what, have no. you had a new favorite Coke from going there? No, no, no yeah. nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> I think I tried like a lychee soda. That one, I, I'm a sucker for lychee, so it was really good. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Wait, yeah. are you trying to say leche? I say, I call it lychee. Tomato, tomato. What do you call it? Wait, are you talking like dulce de leche? No, no, no. The fruit. L-Y-C-H-E-E. Oh, okay. I was, I've never heard of that. I was like, it's what good. is she saying from Texas? <laughs> if you go to a high-end grocery store, just grab some lychee. You peel them. You eat them. They're really good. But, okay, let's to transition me. to landlord logistics. So out of all these houses uh, that we've been talking about, single family homes in a variety of areas in Atlanta, are most of them in HOAs? Uh, and if so, how do you navigate that to make sure that the HOA is, you know, 30 day plus friendly versus six month minimum, things like that? No, we try and we are right now buying only places where there is no HOA restrictions. Or we try to look for, there are some loopholes as a real estate agent, I understand uh, where a place HOA is managed by the whole neighborhood. There's no management company which mm -hmm. can come behind us. So we try to be in a property where there is zero HOA, no restrictions, no, no, no sort of you know, anybody coming behind us. We don't want to deal with that. Nice. So that becomes difficult if you have such kind of restrictions. Yep. And I do have two in an HOA. And for those of you that are considering whether or not an HOA is a good fit, one, there's an excellent podcast that I'll link that kind of has you. Um, it emphasizes what are the important things to check for an HOA before you buy. Uh, but in general, now that we have been part of this community for a little over a year, first we decided let's put Dave on the HOA, make sure, make, make sure like it's a, it's a good fit. So as through our first year of owning the property, Dave was on the HOA. Now we know that it's not, no one can really change that 30 day minimum because it uh, has to have 80% of the, of the votes to be able to actually change anything in the in the HOA documents. So that was a that was a relief, but it's also then you can't go short-term rental either. It's like we will happily stay in midterm rental, but it would be a killer area for short term as well. Uh, but I'm with you. Like if you can avoid HOAs, that's nice. But then a lot of people also say then maybe your neighbors bring in RVs or boats or things that make it, you know, look a little different, which is why you're in nicer areas of Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we actually, one of our properties is a condo, but it's in an HOA, which I know is like crazy common for um, shared properties like that. And I love it because I don't have to worry about landscaping. I don't have yep. to worry about the roof. I don't have to worry about shoveling. I don't have to worry about if there's a storm and the siding gets hit. I'm like, not my problem. So, but you're, you're right. You have to know the ins and outs of the HOA and, and know the rules and the policies and what's acceptable. So, okay. So speaking of those, which I feel like are two learning curves that Kelly and I have both learned through our, um, 
midterm rental journeys. I'd love to to hear you guys as some of the lessons you have learned because definitely by getting to the scale that you're at today, you have must have gone through some learning, you know, some learning curves and some hard lessons. So tell us, tell us about maybe some of the things that you learned the hard way or some things that looking back, you wish you would have known a little bit earlier. Okay. What we learned hard way is, uh, not to buy too big a house and like you said you know having and especially the locations where to buy the property that's a big learning curve so that we don't hold in a vacant uh you know property for a long time mm. the other thing is who to deal with like i said you know we just chose to be on the insurances radar more because not many people are competing with us we want to be a different animal and so they can identify that you know we are the only people providing houses in these nicer locations and we took a time because we had bought properties in the wrong places and uh, also i would say we would never buy older properties because yeah. any time some insurance clients come in everybody even though it's a short term they want a pretty place they want a newer modern house with modern bathrooms with modern open kitchen earlier when we used to invest in our properties we bought like old houses which had no hoa and we just did a little bit of you know um updates updates and we said okay let's go but then we saw that those houses don't go okay so any time it's a modern house with all new updates people love it even though they want to stay for one month or two months the house has to be new and nice i think that's all about knowing your audience too right because like you said you guys are are not working with the budget travelers. So your travelers, you know, they want high end, they want nice, they want everything. Whereas maybe some traveling medical professionals or digital nomads or, and I'm not trying to just stereotype here. Um, I'm just using those as potential examples, but they might be trying to find a less expensive place and not care how cute it is or, or anything like that. So that I think, like you said, goes back to, to knowing, knowing your audience. It's so crazy. Uh, I love, I love the midterm rental market because there's, there's a story for every style. And I, I love that we can tell so many varieties of furnished finder landlords stories because then it's like this, it's, it's this base uh of knowledge that covers a wide spectrum of property types and so i'm hearing everything you're saying and thinking wow that's interesting because mine's the opposite uh with my with my three bedrooms uh and they are older and we don't focus on the remodeling as much and we don't hardly get any complaints so it's it's very interesting just the different styles of guests you can you can get throughout the country and sometimes i even wonder the opposite i'm like oh, why didn't they tell me about this or like a guest will just decide to to uh, one it was a it was a dryer uh in our, in our house and they hadn't told us that it stopped working and instead they just put their own dryer in there. I'm like, guys, we would have taken care of this for you, uh, you know, very quickly uh, if you would have let us know. And they didn't complain about it. They just said, and they even left the dryer at the end. They're like, Hey, it was an extra. We don't need it. It's like, you can, you can keep the dryer if you want. Uh, or then of course we'd, we'd have to find a new home for it otherwise. So it's just crazy. Like the different spectrum of what you can find around the, around the country for sure. We want them to have the best experience. So we are always there. Like 
either me or he is always, you know, there for them to help help them out with whatever issues they have. Okay. Cool. Now that answers to you why we have properties in the first top five zones in the north side of Atlanta. Uh-huh. We can physically be there. Even if there's a car right. comes within 30, 40 minutes, we are there to right. just look what are you talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. So being present at all, uh, I think it's around 17 plus properties uh, that you currently manage. I'm sure your portfolio is going to grow over the years. I'm going to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. Is it exhausting having to be at every property every time someone needs something? Or have, how have you found that life balance through through the corporate uh, housing business? It is tough because, you know, we have to be there. And plus, I am doing some of the rehab of houses mm-hmm. as well as I'm a real estate agent mm-hmm. writing contracts for my buyers and sellers. That is my primary bread and jam for me. Mm-hmm. But it's not exhaustive because I am still hungry. We are learning. We are learning a lot. You know, we are learning from people who are like I told you when we go to Chippa, we try to see people who are like us. Who were like us and who now were who like are a, grown up, somebody who sold the company, so eager to understand from them. And you know, their knowledge really helps. And they're really very friendly people. And so they tell us what not to do, what to do. So as we said, you know, we want to keep around 20 of the single family home portfolio assets, maintain mm-hmm. it, make better properties. And our growth next stage is going to be having apartments on a seasonal or, you know, for contractors, maybe mm-hmm. six months or nine months in a year. So that is where... But I think it is exhausting, but because we both love what we do, we don't feel the exhaustion that much. Good. And it's, it's we both and we stay together it's like it's only business that we talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> That's great. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard, but then I think because we both want to grow, we want to reach a you know a point where we can call ourselves like you know we did this. So I think it's not exhausting at that point of time. Yeah, yeah we have energy, not giving up for the not next giving three, up. Yes, next yep. three years we want to make it big one. In fact, we got offer from somebody trying to be a part of their bigger ones. We're not there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we said, no, I have more energy. We want to grow I stay Atlanta. Yeah. Three more years and then let's see at that point of time. We're back to that scale of hosting styles mm-hmm. around the country. It's like we've got Sarah Weaver and Ziana McIntyre with the Bigger Pockets book, 30 plus uh, 30 day stay. And the whole uh, focus is how to manage your properties from anywhere, whether you're on the beach in Australia or, you know, down hiking in the Amazon, you can still manage your properties. And that is appealing to some people. And then you've got the other end where uh, you want to be present with your properties and really know that you're taking care of the Well, both ends, you're taking care of the properties, of course. But it's like we have these different styles around the country that we can all learn from each other. And I love it. And I think that's cool because there's a million different ways you can do it. Right. And there's no wrong way. But what you have to do is figure out what works for you, what works for your properties. Like um, all of you guys are all very close to your properties. My midterm rentals, I'm the closest one is 800 miles away from me. Mm-hmm. One of wow. them I've never even stepped foot in. Mm-hmm. Like I've never physically been to the property. Now, my family has. Um, but one our, our latest midterm rental, the closest 
family member I have is two hours away. So we're relying on growing a team and a network. Thankfully it's Iowa. So mm-hmm. I have like, you know, my sister's friend who's able to do some stuff and, you know, a friend's brother, like we, we have some, some outreach there, but it's, there's no wrong answer. You just have to kind of set up your structure for it to set you up for success. Right. So I think that's really cool and really interesting. And I really like that we can present all of these different ways that you can kind of make it work. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. So this, uh, I have a really good question, uh, for, to address kind of the, the thought process for corporate housing individuals. So in general at Chippa, we met a lot of, of, corporate housing providers that had larger portfolios. And Katie and I, it's like a no-brainer, like $99 per year per property. Like, why would you not do that? But that's when you have up to five properties or up to 10 properties. But then whenever you get, you know, a larger, uh, a larger scale of properties and you, and it is a larger expense, then you do kind of have to weigh those decisions uh, a little heavier. And so what I saw was a lot of the providers that have maybe 60 properties or 100 properties or uh, 200 properties, they'll pick one or two test properties and try out Furnish Finder. And I think you guys were, were doing that as well at the conference. And then we talked about it a bit and you've had a different experience in, since adding a few more. So you want to tell us a little bit about that and how having one to two properties to test versus having more properties to test might, makes it a little bit of a difference? When I put the first property, I never got any response because I think I was not even checking the dashboard very regularly. I was like, you know, yeah, I didn't give much thought to it. And I, also I thought it's an expensive property. I'm not going to get anybody from Furnish Finder and I just didn't bother. But after meeting you and I came back and I added three more properties after that. And I've seen now I added that as a notification to my phone. And each time I get a request and I go and I answer that and I call them up and it's been really good and I like it. Good. And you can and you're referring to tenant leads, too, uh, which that's one of the main reasons I say more than having like one test property, especially if you're in a metropolitan area, choose properties that are spread out around the, the city so that you can see every traveler coming to your area. Like That's in my, mm-hmm. yeah, three different directions, three properties. And I saw which is getting the most crowd. Yep. Good. I would also encourage even those people that have larger properties. Yes. The total might feel a little bit more daunting, right? You have 10 properties, 20 properties at $99 a year, but you're always going to get better results if you list all of your actual properties because people connect with seeing the actual property, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to fall in love with that location or the amenities that you offer or your layout. Like they're going to fall in love with the actual property. And there's so much value in the leads that come in, but also like the direct booking requests and the direct messages. That's how I get a lot of traffic for my personal properties is through people reaching out directly and saying, Hey, I love your property. I want your property. And we talk about leads all the time, but it's not just about leads. It's about people who submit a request to book your property or they, they send you a message and like, they're ready to go. And that won't, if you're not in the game, you're not going to get the point. 
right? Um, so I would encourage everyone, even though it feels bigger, still think about it as $99 per property. Yep. It helps. It's, it helps it feel a little more digestible, right? That's well, right. and it, for those that do have larger portfolios, reach out to Furnish Finder uh, customer service and sales team because they can help guide you in the right direction and put together the right package for you. Like, I'm not going to put prices out there because we want this episode to be timeless. But when you go through the process of adding a listing, it asks you, is this an individual listing? Is it is it a sublet? Is it an entire complex? Is it a hotel? So you can have these different options that lead you to, you know, when you do have a larger portfolio, it does kind of package it differently for you. Thank you. We'll do that. Yes, yeah, so you said we need to talk to somebody who's been using it to make better use of the application. Like, you know, we didn't know initially there is a two different things like a messaging and another lead to see that, okay, how we can use that lead for the particular property mm -hmm. for another way. So, there's a lot of good things with your pro, you know, product. They might want to use it. A lot of even corporate uh, housing companies use Furnish Finder to find properties, so which is good. Mm -hmm. So you get leads even from them. Yep. I think you said uh, it doesn't even happen where like some of your insurance clients, uh, you're you're a preferred yeah. vendor on the insurance list, yes. and you're like, why did you reach out to me through Furnish Finder? Like, exactly. You have my contact information. <laughs> I think it just first when they want to furnish property, they go to Furnish Finder. So that's right. how it is. Your property will be found through that through that platform. One stop shop. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, you got any last well, questions, Katie? I don't. It's been so great to talk with you guys. Um, we're learning so much from all all sorts of landlords, from you know people who are are renting out a room to people who have so many large single family homes like you guys, and it it's really enlightening to talk to everyone and to see the similarities and the differences and just the way that you structure your business. So thank you for being here with us today. And we can't wait to see what you do next. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having Kelly us. And Katie. Appreciate it. See you all next week, guys. Bye-bye.